Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Hello, Thrive Church. My gosh, you look beautiful. You look beautiful. Hello. Come on. How many of you love your church? If you love your church, come on, let's give God some praise. What an incredible setup. How many of you guys love your pastors? Can I just brag on your pastors really quick? How awesome are they? We had lunch with your pastors. We also had dinner with your pastors. And uh, are we going to do breakfast tomorrow? All right, I'll be be around 7.30. I'll come by, okay? (laughs) And uh, we know you have uh, incredible pastors. Uh, Your church has actually been such a blessing to my wife and I in our ministry. Your church has blessed us every time we've been here. Your church blessed us financially when we planted a church in Hollywood. And you guys have just impacted our lives so much. And we're so grateful for you. We're so grateful for your pastors. So come on, can we just give them some love? one more time and put your hands together. And we're excited to invest back uh, into this community right here. Yes, beautiful community. I, you can just feel in the atmosphere. I was telling my husband, um, we we go into different churches all the time and share the and share the gospel and share a word and and we love to invest into marriages and families specifically. And you can always kind of get a feel for the environment. You know, when you walk into a room and you get a feel for the environment, you're like, what am I walking into right now? And I said to him, there's just such a an excitement, like a genuine excitement. Excitement, a genuine, we're ready to hear from God. And that alone, I just know that expectation, he meets us in those moments. And so I'm so excited for what he's going to do with all of us over the next few minutes. It's super cool. We actually now just bought a house in Lathrop because of this church. So we're super excited. It's going to be great. So if you're our neighbor, we'd love to meet you. Uh, Really quick before we get started, we just want to introduce ourselves and uh, a little bit about who we are. My name is Alberto, for all you Latinos who can roll your R's. And if not, you can just call me Alberto. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm Ashley. And we're both true to we're both Cubans. And it's crazy. Two Cubans found each other, and both of us said we would never marry Cubans. And so God laughed. And so, anyways, I actually, true story, I told my mom, my aunt, and my grandmother one time at a family dinner, I said, Look, ladies, I love you. Like, I really love you. You've impacted (laughs) my life in so many ways. And because of you, I'm also in therapy. But I said this. I said, because of you three, I never want to marry a Cuban woman ever. And so I still haven't seen my mom since then, but, um, we can be a lot. We We can can be a lot. You know, you've got two Caribbeans coming together. And if you've never encountered anybody from the Caribbean in general, whether Dominican Republic, Cuba, um, we're intense. We're a little intense. We're passionate. Yeah, the, and we use our hands use. for yeah. everything we say. Everything. Um, do we have a photo of our family? We want to introduce our family. Do we? Uh, oh, yeah. look at those kiddos. Aww, everybody goes, aww. We'll give them to you if you want. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, we've been, uh, actually, and I have been married for 13 years. Yeah. And you want to introduce our children? Sure, I will. Let's see. Okay, so bottom, you're right. Bottom right, uh, the girl right next to me, that is our oldest, Brooklyn. She will be 12 this month. Pray for us. She goes to junior high this fall and I am just nauseous at the thought you of it. You could all extend your hands right now. We're I'm just not pray kidding. For I'm her. so nervous. Um, that's our son at the bottom, Mateo. He's six. Talia, our eight-year-old, and our little surprise baby right at the top, Milo. She's 18 months and she just runs our house. Funny. They were all they were all surprises. Um, anyways, <laughs> so wow. if you if you question whether we were Latino or not, there you yeah. go, 
the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, and yeah. Um, we actually, we're going to get into this, I promise. We just got a minivan. And um, that's so how we actually got invited to speak here. Because when you get a minivan, you get invited to speak at marriage conferences. Wow. And so... Is that the sign that we've, we've made it? Yeah. We've so we've crossed, <laughs> we've crossed that line. If you want a selfie with the minivan after this, see me after this service. Yes. Uh, but tonight we're here to, to invest into marriages and to talk about marriage. And uh, we're going to just share 10 things um, about marriage and how to have a good and healthy marriage. And I got to be really honest with you. We've only been married for 13 years. Yeah. I know there's some of you in this room tonight who have been married a lot longer. I know there's some of you in here who have probably walked some more fiery trials than we have. Right. I know there's some of you in here who your marriage is healthy and, and everything is going great. Some of you can probably do this talk better than us yeah. because of your experiences. So we don't come here to share from a place of, hey, this is, this is, this is like what you need to do. This is the right way. We're coming and just sharing from a place of experience yes. and also just extracting some biblical principles and things that have helped us in yes. our marriage. So with that, we're excited to start the journey. It's 10 things. So there's a part two. We'll give you a break at seven. You come back at 730 and then we'll finish it later. Okay. <laughs> um, honey, you want to go ahead and, and pray? Yeah, let's pray. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you for this night. I thank you for a beautiful beautiful time of community and worship and for preparing our hearts during the time of worship and declaring that we will see victory um, no matter what season we're in of marriage, whether we've been together decades or whether we're newly married or we're newly stepping into parenthood. There are so many seasons we, we walk through in marriage and we can stand on the truth of your word tonight and we, dec- we can declare that we will see victory because of you, Jesus. And so we ask that over these next few minutes, Father, that you would not only teach us maybe something we don't know, but th- you would invade our hearts. That if there are hardened areas in our hearts regarding our spouses or our marriages, that you would soften those areas tonight. That you would make them tender to your Holy Spirit and to what you want to say. We love you. We give you all of the glory, all of the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Really quick, this has nothing to do with marriage, but I just thought I would oh, ask. Boy. Have you guys ever been to your Bass Pro Shop here? Has anybody ever been there? I, I went today for the first time, and I, I fell in love. And so next year, we're not going to Disneyland. We're taking our family to the Bass Pro Shop, that place. I, I must have stood out like a sore thumb because when I walked in, loss prevention followed me throughout the entire <laughs> yes. store. Yes. They're like, this guy does, his pants are too tight. He doesn't bleed, so. Either that or God knew you needed a comedic moment. I, yeah, tonight, I needed you know? a comedic moment anyways. It's so. like a theme park in there, you guys. Could you tell we're from the city originally? I'm, we I'm walk blown, into these places, we're like, wow. I'm blown away but I guess we got to talk about marriage. Um, Before I jump into the first uh, thought, one of the things about marriage is marriage goes through seasons, right? We can be honest. There's different seasons in our marriage. Let's just be really honest. Not every season is always good. Not every season is always great. Not every season is that mountaintop moment. Not every season is always uh, 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 you're crushing it and you're going from glory to glory. Some seasons are, are rough. Some seasons are challenging. Maybe some of you tonight are sitting in one of those seasons of your marriage. And I just want to go ahead and release and say it's okay to be there. See, the thing about seasons is that seasons aren't permanent. Seasons are temporary. So we go from one season to the next. But I also think the way that we behave, the way that we steward and the way we maneuver one season really determines when we step into the next season. And I just want to encourage, I just felt this as we were praying. I want to encourage, the Bible really talks about seasons. And I love Psalm 23 because David 
David essentially to me is talking about the different seasons of life that we go through. Sometimes it's like being by the green pastures and, and sometimes it's like being led by the still waters. And other times it's like walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And sometimes it's like being surrounded by my enemies. But I love verse one in that Psalm. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. In John 10, Jesus gave three overarching principles and characteristics of a shepherd. And it was this, a shepherd always guides, a shepherd is always near, and a shepherd will always protect. Mm. And why do I share that within the context of a marriage conference? Because I want you to know, in whatever season you're at right now in your marriage, whether good, whether bad, whether ugly, whatever season you're in, he's the good shepherd. And you can always take this to the bank. You can take his promises to the bank yes. because his checks don't bounce. They clear. Right. That in right. every season of your marriage, God is going to guide you, God is going to be near to you and God is going to protect you as yeah. you continue to keep him in the center of that place. Come on, if you believe that, why don't you yes. just give God some praise? <laughs> and so we go through different seasons and number one, this is it, 10 things uh, for redefining marriage. And I'm going to speak to the men on this one and then she's going to speak to the, thank God that I'm not doing point number two, bless the Lord, oh my soul and father Abraham. Okay. But listen to this. <laughs> You know, it's always, um, I sometimes have, have, have seen in the church, we've always focused on women needing to submit to the man, submit to their husband, right. right? And for some of you, that's like, I've done weddings where I've been asked by the bride not to read that portion of scriptures. Please True don't read story. that at all. I'm like, okay. And the husband, I'm like, dude, it's going to be a hard. There's a little trauma attached to little trauma to attached to that. But nobody really, we don't really unpack what level of, of sacrifice God calls men to. Because mm. God also calls men to a high level of sacrifice. And it's number one, mm. marriage requires sacrifice, men. Listen to Ephesians 5, verse 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And so when you read that, Jesus, or Paul, whatever, is talking to husbands and he's giving us a uh, a level of love and sacrifice that we are to have. He's saying, men, you need to love your wives like Christ loved the church. Let's unpack how Christ loved the church. Right. Jesus, Jesus Christo, left the comfort of heaven in a place where he was chilling with God the Father, the angels, everything was glorious. He left the comfort and the stability of that to come on earth, to take upon flesh, teach us how to live, then go to a cross and die for people that disagree agreed with him, yet he still loved them when they disagreed. He still loved them when she spent too much at Target. I'm, so, I'm sorry. She, he still loved, right? And this is, the, this is the kind of love that Jesus is calling us to. He's saying, men, you need to love your wives with a sacrificial love the way that Jesus, like he's calling us to die if we have to. You know what I'm saying? Fellas, some of you have almost been close to death by your spouse. We understand that <laughs> in moments. But I think a healthy man Marriage for men requires high level of sacrifice, always thinking about the other individual yeah. and their needs, and we'll get to that. But are we truly sacrificing our needs, our desires, our wants for the sake of our spouse? We always speak to the women about submission, but we have to come under the submission of Christ and live sacrificially within the context of our marriage. Are you guys tracking with me? Does that yeah. make sense? I, I don't know if you wanted to add anything. No, that's good. But when you and when I think when you understand that, y'all, um, you understand that marriage does not keep a point system. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes uh, unhealthy marriages, whether you want to um, um, admit it or not, we sometimes have a point system. Okay, well, I'll do this if she does that. 
Well, I'll, I'll allow her to do this if she allows me to do that. Well, I took out the trash and I went to work all day. And so therefore she should. Let me tell you, if you are thinking with that therefore attitude, and if you are measuring the depth of your love with that therefore attitude, there's going to be tension in the marriage. There's going to be friction in yeah. the marriage. And so essentially what God is calling us to mean is to love unconditionally, meaning yeah. that we're going to love our spouse without condition because we made the decision to honor our commitment and love each other until death do us part. And so it's loving at that sacrificial level. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I, I love you. Okay. I love right. you too. Second thought is this marriage requires submission. Take a breath for a second, if that's a heavy word for you to ingest. And if it's not, glory. What'd you but say it requires? Submission. Oh, I just wanted to hear that word one more time. <laughs> submission. Just, just but kidding. I think for women, oftentimes what's happened is the way that this has been taught, maybe in the past, maybe there's been some some miscommunication or it hasn't been relayed well. And we all, you know, we all have had maybe our versions or a taste in our mouth of what submission is. And it can be used definitely for manipulation and control and those types of scenarios and marriages. Absolutely. But really what that means for us when we are submitting ourselves, meaning we're submitting ourselves to God first, because it always starts here, guys. Everything flows, whether a husband or wife, from our submission to God, as Alberta was sharing. It starts there first. If I can submit to God, then the natural progression, even though it's a little more challenging, should be that I can submit in my relationship to my spouse or to my husband. What that means is when God calls you to, I got to stand up a little bit because I'm I'm getting a a little excited. When God calls you to submit to something, think about a situation or a season where God has required something of you that requires extreme submission. Do we typically react, if we're going to be really honest with ourselves, in a way where when, when God expresses, hey, I, I want you to submit to this, or I need you to obey me in, in this, is our reaction typically to be like, yes, God, whatever you want? <laughs> no. You've got to be kidding if that's really your, your, your reaction. I know for me, for sure, most times, nine out of ten, it's, seriously, God, I really don't want to do that right now. Is that really what you're asking me to do? And there's like that clenching in your teeth. And God so graciously as our father gives us grace and gives us room to figure out our emotions and let them catch up with what he's calling us to step into within the center of his will. That is the expression in marriage. Most times when our husbands are asking or wanting to lead us maybe in a decision, maybe they're trying to steer our family or our home, maybe it's a job change and they're feeling like God is genuinely drawing them to to lead in something in the marriage. Yeah, our first reaction and our first inclination most times is not, well, I'm just going to submit to my husband as the Bible calls me to do. Because we aren't robots, right? We have our own free will. But the, the flow in the dynamic of your submission to God has everything to do with the flow in the dynamic and the submission to our husbands. So if I am trusting that my husband is called to lead our home, to lead me, to lead our family, does that mean I don't have a voice in the marriage? Does that mean I don't have my position in the marriage? Does that mean that I am not heard? Does that mean that there are seasons where God does not call me? to make some decisions? Absolutely not. But what that means is what my husband is is wanting or maybe expecting is respect. 
He's wanting honor in that. You know what, honey? Uh, your pastors, when, when they were up here, one of the questions that they were asked really related to this, and it was, what do you do when you disagree on something and you can't come to an understanding, right? A lot of times that's where the friction happens in submission. It's hard to submit to something that maybe we don't necessarily agree with. Do I necessarily agree with everything God wants me to do right off the bat? No, but then later on, when I see the fruit, right? When we see what was on the other side, we're like, I'm so glad that I didn't just go with what I wanted, but I submitted. Yeah. Oftentimes, that's what happens in our marriages. Maybe God is prompting our spouse and we don't necessarily agree. Table it. Table it. And what I mean by that is go to God about it. Before we start yapping away and nagging and yelling or whatever your style of arguing is, table it. Give it to God. Is this what you want for me? Is this what you want for our family? Is this the direction you are leading my spouse in? Is this an opportunity for me to see something later on and reap the fruit of something that I wouldn't get the opportunity to if I just immediately shut down and say, well, you don't know what you're doing to my, to my spouse. Does that make sense? And you've never said that, not, not even once. I'm just kidding. Uh, you, you know, it's interesting, Ashley, and I, as I was listening, the reason we shared those two in the beginning, and, and I know it's kind of like, whoa, that's a lot, um, is because to me, these, these two points or these two thoughts um, that we extracted from the scriptures of Ephesians are really foundational, and I really think it speaks to alignment. And oftentimes, while there's um, challenges in marriage or there's tension in marriage, there's yeah. friction in marriage, is usually because there's a form of misalignment. And when there's a form of misalignment, that brings all other kinds of problems to the to the surface. I think about it um, as um, um, like when, you're, when your spine is off, like I have, I have to go see a chiropractor and it's usually because one of my vertebrae is out and they like use this gun to like push it right back in and the sense of misalignment creates pain and tension in all sorts of different areas yeah. of my body and it's not until they put it back into alignment that the pain is relieved. It's because they're tackling the foundational problem and so I think in our marriages, if we can get these just these two things down and work from there, it's essentially like the ethos. It's the foundation for everything else. I believe that when there is alignment in our lives spiritually, I believe that when there's alignment in our lives and in our marriage, you're going to reap fruit. You're going to reap the benefit from that. Yeah. Psalm 133 talks about anointing oil. It's like from the head of uh, top of Aaron's head down to his beard, down to the train of his robe. Yeah. And, and anointing oil is God's blessing. But what that speaks of is there can only be a flow of blessing when there is an alignment. Right. And so there is an alignment. So when our marriages are aligned, they will bear fruit. Yeah. When our marriages are aligned, we will be a blessing. When our marriages yeah. are aligned, we will be blessed. It doesn't mean that we won't be challenged, right. but there has to be alignment. And I think more people in the church, our marriages could be better aligned with what? The word of God, yes. because you can always yes. bank on his promises. Amen. Amen. Um, number Amen. three. Marriages that our needs are met when we meet the needs of another, of the other, meaning that when you want a need or are feeling like you're not having a need met, the best way to have that fulfilled really is to meet the need of your spouse. That's selfless love. We will, you reciprocate 
to one another more naturally when you're meeting the needs of each other versus only focusing on what you want and what you need. And that's marriage. I, as hard as it is sometimes to have those conversations that, hey, I feel like my needs aren't being met in this area of my life, or I feel like, especially as women, e- emotional aspects of things are huge for us. They dictate a lot of the way that we operate day in and day out. But having those conversations of, I I just feel like we're not on the same page. I feel like my needs aren't being met in this. Okay, but what am I doing to meet the need of my spouse in order for my spouse to naturally respond from a genuine place of wanting to meet my needs because we feel that constant back and forth flow going. Now, there are seasons like we talked about to marriage. Is that always the dynamic? No, but those are the opportunities to have honest and open conversations, communicating over assuming that our spouse knows that they haven't met our need. I'm, I'm speaking to the women because we tend to be the assumers in the dynamic. We, no. we convince ourselves in our mind. You know how the Bible says the heart is deceitfully, deceitfully wicked above all else? Who can the mind is right there with it, okay? We will assume the craziest things that we think our spouse knows. We're convinced in our mind. He knows he's not meeting this need. And he's going to continue to torture me through this situation by not, by not, not meeting notes. it. Because, because, you know, he wants this, this, and this, and I'm not doing that. And there's this whole scenario that we play out. Is that really and how our you poor think? Husbands, no. And our poor husbands are like... Hey, honey, how you doing today? How was your day? And they come in all fresh or excited and they have no clue that on your radar, all of that is going on or in your mind. And we've made all these assumptions. And so when needs aren't being met, have conversation, talk about it, say it. Yes, we have to die a little bit to ourselves to admit some of those things, but it is much more fruitful to have the conversation right off the bat than to let it fester. And then you go, then you go without meeting each other's needs for long periods of time, and that just starts this whole snowball effect of disconnection and of discontent and resentment. Yeah, so it just really speaks um, to being selfless. I think the thing that attacks this area in our marriage is pride. Yes. And I think when we get into a place of pride um, is when we really stop trying to meet the needs of our spouse. Because yeah. then we go back to keeping this point system or this value system of however we're measuring whether they love me or not. And so our whole thing is, is if she makes it about me and if I make it about her, then we all win then that's each other's needs being met. But there's sometimes, right, what creeps in is if you don't feel like your spouse is meeting your need, then you start start holding back the needs that you were doing, helping her meet or him meet or whatever. You You start holding back some of that attention. You start holding back some of those actions. You start holding back some of that love, in a sense, in your mind because you're assuming that something is off. And so the best way to always approach it is to always think the best and to always make it about her and her make it about me. Assuming the best. And also that the point system is a very slippery slope because that is kind of the recipe to resentment. The more that you try to keep points and tabs on your spouse on what they aren't doing, resentment slowly, the enemy is lofty and sneaky. He, there is a enemy of our souls and of our marriages. And if you've been through a couple things in marriage, you will quickly find out that he is lurking at the door, constantly looking to devour our marriage however he can. 
And a point system, what it does is it slowly, it's like a slow leak in a tire. It slowly creeps resentment in without us even realizing it until one day someone explodes and all of these things come to the surface that the other person didn't know were there and they're thrown off and blown away thinking, how did I not see this? But that's because the person who blew up and has resentment in their heart now, how much more work, first of all, are you going to have to do to bounce back from that? Second of all, those points that they were keeping this entire time, all they did was create a whole mountain of resentment in their heart. And now we have to do even harder work than if we would have just focused on how I can serve in this and allow that to be reciprocated to me. Yeah, that's good. Mar- um, uh, resentment is like a slow killer. I call it, it like a cancer of marriages. It and is. so, and we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute. But uh, number four is that marriage requires that we speak the same language or each other's language, right? I think oftentimes we can be screaming, I love you, but mm-hmm. it doesn't get understood because we're saying it in a way that it, our spouse cannot understand. Maybe yeah. all of you or some of you are familiar with the different love languages and there's this concept that we all have a love tank and all of us have a love language. There's words of affirmation, there's acts of service, there's receiving gifts, quality time and physical touch. My two top two is, is touch and touch me again. And so those are my <laughs> physical and then... Um, words of affirmation is a big one for me. And, and Ashley's is quality time and receiving gifts. And like I think initially as a pastor, we understood this concept going into marriage, premarital counseling, all this kind of stuff. But somewhere along the line, in our marriage, I stopped speaking her love language and she stopped speaking my love language. And there was a massive deficit in that. There was a massive deficit. There was a tension because we were both expressing our love for each other in the way we wanted to receive love, but not in the way that each other, she wanted to receive love. And so uh, when we do that, um, I think it really challenges our marriage. Were you going to say something? I think oftentimes when we meet with young couples now and we're, they're gearing up for marriage, that's one of the things we talk about the most because we find that it is an area with a lot lot of room for error. Um, We go into our marriages or even down the road some years, we start to speak based on the love language that we want to receive and we assume that our that's what our spouse wants versus really figuring out what it is that they how they receive love and that can go as far back as our childhood and so a lot of times it takes a minute to figure out why we like to receive love in a certain way and why we feel that we we should express it that very same way versus how does our spouse receive love see this is so much deeper you guys than just a book or a study this is a constant getting to know one another. Constant. We're constantly shifting and changing, constantly. growing. And so things will evolve. Some people, their love languages even change over time. Maybe it's not gifts. Maybe you just want to spend more time together because you see more value in that. And so it goes back to constantly figuring out where where is my spouse at? Where is my husband or my wife at? And how do they want to receive love? Because if I give them love in that fashion, then they will love me back, hopefully, in the way that I like to receive love. I feel like this is honestly one of the hardest things for me because your love language is quality time. Yes. And I'm like flying off the walls all the time. Like I yes. can't even sit still when I go to bed. Yes. And so it's really requires yeah. sacrifice. She loves quality time. And yeah. so, so she, she, just me sitting there being, even if she's on Instagram and not even looking at me, just me sitting right. next to her, trolling her Instagram yes. is enough for her to just feel love. And so for me, that requires so much sacrifice and even the gift giving thing. Come on, fellas, you know, half of 75% of us are cheap. So the last thing 
I want to do is go and buy a gift. But I have to realize the Dollar Tree has a dope section. You guys need to check it out. <laughs> Telling even Target, they got a new dollar section when you walk in. I don't play. It requires a lot of listening. Yeah, I just use an old Louis Vuitton bag and put it in there and give it to her. And so, wow, um, no, but it, that even requires such a high level of sacrifice. And I have to be honest, that's one of the harder ones for me because yeah. it requires me dying to myself to make sure that I'm meeting uh, your needs. And yes. um, I think, you know, here's the thing. You can't reap from a place you didn't sow. Hmm. So I'm going to speak to the fellas. There's no kids in here, right? No. See, let's just be real. A lot of times, men, we want sex, but we've been riding on E the entire time. Because mm. we, we aren't investing into our spouse's love tank. Not we're depositing. not filling. We're not making deposits, but we're trying to make withdrawals. And wow. so you cannot make a withdrawal where you have not made a deposit. And so I think that from there, we have to learn what are we sowing into? How are we sowing into that? How are we investing into the love tank? How are we making sure we're keeping it full? And when you both operate that way, once again, your needs are met and your heart is full of love for one another. So. Yes, it comes from a genuine place. And I think for women, for us, everything is so dictated by how we feel in the moment and in that day. And, you know, for us, especially when we started having children, we had to figure this whole thing out all over again because as a mother, I was exhausted. Gosh, I'm still exhausted. And it, it wears on you having the baby and learning this child. And now you're figuring out your, your marriage and your dynamic, including a child. And it's just so much. If you've had children, you know, it's just a lot for a while. And so figuring that out and, and also figuring out, okay, how does he now deposit into my life so that when it comes time for him to want to be loved in the way he wants to be, he likes to be loved. I'm not completely depleted in that area because he's been investing now for some time. He's making me feel appreciated or seen or noticed, or he's saying, Hey honey, I'm going to take the kids today so that you can rest because I recharge alone. And so, and that's hard when you have four kids, right? To, to say, I need to recharge and I need to do it alone. And that means he's going to take all four and the dog. So oh yeah, we I got a puppy, y'all. Pray for us. Because listen, we, we have a pretty even kilted shared responsibility in our home. We do. I, I could never say that Alberto is not hands on, that he's not involved. Like we share the load pretty evenly, but mom is mom. And everyone always needs mom for whatever reason. I hear him constantly say, I'm right here. Why are you calling your mother for the 500th time today? And you don't even have a genuine question. You're just calling her name. You know, I said to my eight-year-old the other day, she was going, mom, mom, mom. And I turned around and I said, you don't even have anything to ask me, do you? She looked at me. She's like, no. I said, then why are you calling me? Oh my God. But that's rubbing off on me because I'm looking for her now. Mom, mom, where yes. are you at? Sometimes and I feel so like I can't of, do anything alone. I'm like, I need. that to say in this last year, especially things changed a lot for us in ministry. And he was home at the same time as our kids. When everything kind of shut down, it was the kids and the husband all home at the same time. And I had just graduated into having the house to myself. It's not being recorded. And is so it? it was an adjustment. It was an adjustment. And so what did Alberto and I have to do? We had to figure out, okay, this is going to be, we could kind of sense from the beginning, this is going to be a long haul situation. So how are we going to guard and protect and preserve our marriage through this season because the heat was turned up hot for well, most marriages, uh, you, you, right? You, you said something that's interesting. I think uh, we had to make changes. We yes. had to pivot. 
a new season brought on a pivot. And I think what we're giving you is not this cookie cutter, do this every season all the time type of thing. As seasons change, you also have to sometimes change and you have to pivot and you have to learn something new about yourself or you do and learn something new about your marriage. Uh, Just when you think there's everything you need to know about your wife, uh, you realize that she doesn't like a lemon in her Diet Coke, but she likes a lemon in her iced tea. Go figure. I just found that out. Mind blown. It changes. It varies based on how I feel. And so I think, I think (laughs) facts. And so (laughs) I think that everything in marriage uh, requires us to be flexible to make those those pivots where we need to make those pivots, to make those adjustments where we need to make those adjustments in those seasons. And so asking yourself in this season, is there something I need to adjust? Yeah. Is there, is there a new rhythm I need to implement in yeah. my marriage? Why are we frustrated? Is there something that I'm, we're doing that we have to cut? Yeah. Or is there something that we have to add in order to fit this season? So being flexible and ready to pivot, because many of us, all of us had to pivot in this last season. And uh, I'll tell you what, COVID, I don't think brought problems into marriages. I think COVID just exposed the yeah. problems that were already there. It forced us to deal and, with ourselves. And so we had to make some changes. And maybe tonight you're in a place where you need to make some changes and you need to make a pivot in an area. And if you are and you acknowledge that, that's incredible. And just know, I think even for the people who've been married here way longer than mm-hmm. us, know that in marriage, you constantly have to stay flexible. And um, with that, let's go to the next one. Sure. Um, number five, marriage is meant to be done as a team. For us, the basketball team, pretty much. Yes, we um, do. We have a small basketball team. Now, this, you know, particularly, I want to talk to the people that still have young children in the home because we get one shot to raise them and then they become adults for those of you that maybe are in the stage where you're empty nesters and your kids are out of the home or maybe they're married or maybe they're off to college you could probably identify with this in a vi- from a very different perspective but also from a very guys do it and do it as best as you can because it goes by fast and we're seeing that even with our oldest I, I blinked and she's in junior high I blink and you know we have a kindergarten I blink and the baby will be in kindergarten before and it goes so fast I blinked and we had a puppy I yeah. mean that's <laughs> too, too much blinking going on in our house the puppy is a point that we are working through in our number seven no more blinking do not get a puppy is number seven um It's a united front. And so for us, it's always been super important with our children in particular, but also in ministry. I don't know if any of you are in active ministry in this room or if you volunteer at the church, but especially with our children and in ministry to always maintain a united front. And this is why. Because if the children know that they can divide and conquer, they will. This does not mean they're like evil spawns of Satan. They just know. They are, they are growing and maturing and developing um, mentally and emotionally and psychologically. And one of the things that they are constantly doing is they're testing boundaries. How far can we push to see what mom and dad do? How mom and dad react? Will they react? Th- will they still feel the same about this thing I asked about five minutes ago? Five minutes later. I feel like that's our oldest. She's in this stage where she wants a cell phone so bad. And I get it. We're in a different time, different generation. But the answer is no. Right? And so that's just in our household. We don't judge our friends that allow it. But in our household, we say you have to wait. And the other night we were at the dinner table. We have never, him and I have never shifted or have never gone against each other. And this this is a very united decision. Um, But the other night we were at the dinner table and we had guests over. And she likes to take those opportunities to test her boundaries. It's like if you were never allowed to spend the night at your friend's house, but you would always ask in front of your parents 
appearance, right? And you could see like your mom or dad just boiling inside. Wait till you get home, right? Those are backhand moments, right? Like, in the, <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I grew up like, Latino, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so she used this opportunity to test a boundary is really what it was. And she's talking about her birthday that's coming up and she's saying she wants to get a phone. And I kind of gave her that, that side look like don't bring this up right now. And she's going on and on about how she wants a phone and she's going to get a phone soon. And she just knows it that for her birthday and on and on. And I looked at her and I said, you already know the answer to that. I don't know why I called her out. I don't know why you're bringing this up in a group of people when you already know that the answer is no. And your father and I will never go against each other on this one. And then she dropped the mic and walked away. No, but, but the point is, is as children, they will find ways to try to break down your line of communication to get what they want because they're learning how to communicate. They're learning how to test boundaries. They're learning what they can get away with in the home. And they are so brilliant at this. And so they will go to my head. They will come to me typically after they've gone to my husband is the example that I want to get to. They will ask him. He will say no. Now in our marriage, I will say Alberto is definitely the enforcer because I'm usually tired or overwhelmed. I'm just kind of like, whatever, do whatever you want. By the fourth time, I'm just over it. Like, just don't come to me anymore, right? Do whatever you want. And he's the enforcer. He's the stickler once he, he's very consistent in that. And so they go to dad. Dad says no. They'll come to me 20 minutes later. I have no clue. They've had a conversation with my husband about it. Oh, mom, can I do this, this, and this? I'm like, sure. And then he comes in. He's like, no. You know, I told you, no, honey, I told them no. And so then now I have the opportunity to either fall into pleasing them or to maintain a united front so that they understand that maybe, maybe sometimes I don't disagree. I don't agree with what he's saying no to, but if I don't maintain, we don't maintain that united front in that moment. They've got us. They know we will divide and conquer and we laugh, but this is everyday life when you have young children. And so that in itself can be a huge place and opportunity for division in the marriage. And, and I think um, even if there is a disagreement, I, we always believe you honor in public and yes. share your disappointments in private. Please. And so if Ashley and I have some sort of disagreement, typically it's not because we don't want the kids to, to see us uh, argue. We just don't want them to think in their minuscule way of thinking that we're against each other or there's some sort of tension. And so we choose to have those conversations in another space. Yeah. Even just being a united front amongst your peers, amongst your coworkers, like amongst your friends and amongst your family is absolutely huge. If you're in that space where you are, you, you degrade one another in front of people, yes, you, choose condescending. To, you choose to be condescending to one another. That's, that's not healthy. Mm-hmm. And so it's always good. And, and we always live by this value. We honor in public and we share our disappointments in private. And so we kind of have that look. Like I know if I was off, she gives me that look like, oh, after this and after they leave, we're going to have a talk as she's cutting the cheesecake and serving the friends. You know what I mean? And it's that look that scares, it's not even the talk that scares me. It's the look that scares <laughs> me. And so I usually pray that Jesus would blow the trumpet at that point instead of having that talk. But I know we only have uh, about 14 more minutes, but we're going to go ahead and jump to number six and kind of peruse through some of these. Mm -hmm. Marriage is not about changing each other. 
Uh, sometimes people get into relationships because they think that they can save somebody. Oh, they have Lord. a Messiah complex mm -hmm. or they think that <clears throat> we can change our spouse. We should never think that we can change our spouse because the reality is we can't change anyone but ourselves. Correct. Somebody has, you have to come to the decision and the determination that you need to change. And when you come to that decision, you push through every barrier and obstacle to ensure that you change. So a lot of us spend time trying to change our spouse instead yeah. of trying to change something in us that our spouse would see and say, man, there's a change in them. They're working on themselves. Yeah. They're improving. Maybe I need to change something in myself. If we're constantly pointing out the errors in the flaws of our spouse, that is not romantic. That is not going to lead them to want to change in the area that we continue to pester them in. Yeah. We have to learn to take certain things to the Lord. I've learned, we learned this the hard way, but when Ashley saw something in me that needed to be shifted, instead of coming to me, she went to God and then she would talk to God and they must be real tight. They got a good cell phone minute plan because she talks to them whenever they whenever they got good wi-fi and then i'll come out of the room and i'll be like you know what honey i just feel that we should i should change in this and she looks at me like you dummy you did not even know that i just prayed to god of abraham isaac and jacob ta 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 it she, was a lesson and she doesn't throw it in my face yeah but but Ashley and I have really, um, and, and I don't know if we're going to have necessary time, but we've really, in this past year, made the decision that we really needed to work on ourselves. Yes. Ourselves for our mental health, our spiritual health, our, our marriage health, and for the sake of our children. And um, we'll get to that in just a second. But it's not about changing each other. It's about uh, changing ourselves. Yeah. And you want to go into number seven? Sure. Marriage requires that it requires oh, <laughs> that communication be strong. I didn't communicate that I was going to say that. No, you that. didn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, communication is tricky. And um, I love that your pastors shared their methods of communication. Because I think before we can say you need to communicate, and then we just put a period at the end of that, and everybody just has to figure it out. That's typically what we do, right? We just say, you need to communicate. And, and, and a couple will just kind of sit there like, but the problem is we don't know how. And that's why we arrived to this point. And so communication, I think we have to understand who we are as individuals and our style of communication as, as myself in order to be able to communicate in a positive and productive way with my spouse. And what, by, what I mean by that is Alberto is an over-communicator. He preaches and speaks for a living. He's constantly dialoguing. He's a verbal processor, which means he processes most things with words. I am the complete opposite of that. I internalize. So I process quietly, privately. I told you guys I like to recharge by myself, right? But I love to be around people. It's just more when it comes down to processing things or communicating things. It has taken us quite a while. When we started really working on ourselves and working on our um, disadvantages in the way we were communicating to one another as our, you know, taking responsibility was when we really start, started to see fruitful and productive conversations happening versus arguments all the time. And what I mean by that is, is he learned, okay, if Ashley internalizes or Ashley shuts down in really intense moments, then maybe me continuing to talk over that is not going to get her to respond, if at all. She's just going to retreat further and further back because I don't like confrontation, right? For me, if I don't verbally 
enunciate and say what I'm thinking or what I'm feeling or how that hurt me or how I was disappointed or whatever it is, you fill in the blank. He will never fully understand where I'm coming from because I haven't verbally expressed it. That almost goes back to our love language situation. It's understanding how our partner, how our spouse communicates and knowing kind of it's a dance, knowing when to say, when not to say. If you're an over communicator, then maybe you have to learn that there is wisdom and restraint and that not everything that we want to say has to be said because it could end up causing more damage and become more catastrophic than if we would have kind of withdrawn a little bit and allowed the other um, person who maybe is more of an internalizer to process. So he's learned when we're in the thick of a disagreement or an argument, he's learned to step back and say, let me give you some time to process. And I've learned to verbalize how I feel. And that's been hard for me just because of my upbringing, right? A lot of us, maybe we were raised in, in uh, homes uh, where uh, Christ wasn't at the center. Maybe there was a bit of dysfunction. Just my whole testimony and my story is about that. I grew up in dysfunction and, and yeah. in chaos. And um, I grew up in a home with the way you communicate everything is by yelling and screaming. <laughs> and you're always just yelling. Like my friends, when they would come over, I would have to tell them, hey, when you hear the loud talking in Spanish that you're not going to understand, is they're, they're not mad at each other. That's just how they talk. Like for, And so you yeah. have that. That's the conversation I had to have with my friends. And so for me, my upbringing and my history really played a a, a negative impact in our story at this level. And so I had to learn how to communicate correctly because you can be saying the right thing the wrong way. The right thing the wrong way is not going to be heard. And so, and then I, we had to have an honest conversation with her and say, look, I'm not Wata Mercado. Like I'm not Cleo. Like I'm not a mind reader or anything like that. Like I can't read some of you'll get that later. And I'm like, um, I'm not going to, I don't know. Just tell me me what you want like that's how I felt just tell me just tell me what you want that's all you want me to make the bed just tell me like I don't know you want me to put the groceries away just tell me you know what I mean it was so hard these groceries ain't gonna put themselves away no they're not but did you want me to do this like (laughs) you know it was so hard you guys it was so hard and we like I used to like it it got to the point where when I was really trying to work on verbalizing and communicating better and not just shutting down and doing the childish thing because in my home the way I was raised it was strong single mom single female strong women all the way around and and my mom you know she did the best that she could but in her generation you didn't talk about these things and so for her it was you never argue in front of the kids and you never have a disagreement you keep that quiet and so in my brain I always thought that if I disagreed with something or we had a discussion that we were in major turmoil so I avoided it at all costs versus working it out and learning the art of working it out in a healthy way. And so at first when we were working on this and I was trying my hardest to communicate better, I was shaking half the time just to get like three words out where he would be like, so how does this make you feel? And I'd be like anxiety up to my, you know, up to my brain. And it was really hard, but the more we did it, the more I did it, the easier it got and the better it got to the point where I think now he probably wishes I was more, more internalizing more. (laughs) 
I mean, sometimes I do be asking Jesus that. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I know we're, 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 we'll move along here, but number yeah. eight, um, are you guys still with us tonight? You guys still good? Awesome. It's okay. Number eight, a good marriage doesn't just happen, or I'd say a great marriage doesn't just happen. You really have to fight for it. And I think in order for a marriage to be good or to be great, it's going to be tested and it's going to be tried and you're going to go through hard yeah. things. And I think we have the opportunity to come out stronger on the other end. I think we often think that, oh, a great marriage is just a marriage that is perfect. They've never gone through anything. Right. They've never had turmoil. It's no, you've gone through some things. There's been turmoil. There's been tough situations, but yeah. you've come out better. You've come out stronger and you've come out loving Jesus and loving each other more. And so what does it even look like to have a good marriage? And I know we've kind of been talking about this, but I think uh, being honest with each other is huge. Yes. If you feel like you can't be honest with your spouse, I think that's a red flag. Yeah. I think that's now where you have to have an honest conversation. Yes. But being honest with each other is huge. Being vulnerable is huge. And it's hard for us. I got to be honest. It's sometimes hard for me to be vulnerable with her because vulnerability leads to susceptibility. And so when I'm vulnerable with her, I'm susceptible to her response, to her critique, to her input. It's a risk. Yeah. And so it's a risk that I still have to take. And I haven't mastered that. It's still something that I have to work on. But I've realized with her, as I've learned to be more honest in certain situations, it's really helped our marriage. I also think there's a, th- a, th- a difference between preventative maintenance and damage control. Yeah. Everybody here has gotten their oil change, correct? Right? You get your oil change every 3,000 miles, every 5,000 miles. And so, you know, if you go to Jiffy Lube, what happens? They put a little sticker up there that reminds you when yeah. you're supposed to go back. You don't go back to like six months after the thing. So, you know, you're running on empty. But you're constantly putting new oil in your car as a form of preventative maintenance. Yeah. If you didn't change the oil in that car frequently, regularly, all the, when you're supposed to, the potential of those pistons freezing and now you've just crossed over from preventative maintenance now to damage control. Now you're having to get the car fixed. Now you're having to put the way more effort and put way more money. The cost is higher. And what I've noticed with marriages is that we don't make the changes or do the things that we need to do in a sense of preventative maintenance. We don't make a change until now we're in damage control mode. Yeah. We don't take that step out to have a conversation with a pastor, to have a conversation with those who have been married longer with us, for us to be vulnerable. And it's not until we get to that breaking point, to yeah. that space of damage control, that now we're trying to be the better husband. Now we're trying to be the better wife. Now we're trying to be the better marriage. What if we took these biblical principles and we applied them to our lives and we applied them as made them regular rhythms in our marriage yeah. so that we can operate under the realm of preventative maintenance versus damage control? Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, Ashley and I got to a place where well, the reason we have this and we're so passionate about this, doing ministry and running to the extent that we were running and we're not blaming ministry because it can happen in any career. Yeah, it's our responsibility. At the end we, of the day. we didn't realize that we started getting into a toxic place. Yeah. Even this idea of going and seeing a Christian therapist. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say the taboo thing that is so taboo. It's like I, I talk to pastor friends of mine and I'll be like, yeah, man, I, I see a therapist, a Christian therapist regularly. And they just look at me like, oh, that's weird. Like, are you going to kill me? And, um, <laughs> and you know, you it's okay? just that awkward moment after. Now you have to sit there and finish yeah. your meal in front of this person. You guys going to be okay? But guess who texts me three weeks? They always text me like three days or three weeks later. Hey, can I get that phone number? I'm like, ah, mira. Now all of a sudden you need a counselor. It's changed our lives. And it's changed our lives. Mm -hmm. Ashley and I have made it a regular rhythm 
as preventative maintenance for us to see a Christian therapist separately. Yep. And then we go on collectively, we check in, but we've made the decision that we're not going to go back, but we're going to go from glory to glory. We're going to yeah. move forward in our marriage and in our relationship. One, one of the things that we were just having this conversation on the drive here. And I said, you know, I think even when things are great and there's really not a need for us to see, we go to the same therapist for us to see our therapist. I think I'm, we, we should just continue to go. Like we just keep him there on speed dial because here's the thing. What we have found is that the more that we, have been in therapy and talking to someone who we can freely share with, but who is also going to give us counsel from a very honest place, from a place of confronting things in us that we don't want to confront. God gives them a discernment and equips them with an insight to be able to help others, right? That's their gifting. That's their call. What we have seen is that the more we've worked on ourselves in therapy, the less we've had to go together. Right? Because now when we go into a situation that is hard pressed in our marriage, when we go when we hit a point of tension, when we hit a bump in the road, a disappointment, whatever word you want to use, we now have tools in our belt to go into it as individuals. So now we can approach it from a totally different mindset of, okay, the last time we went through something like this, this is how we reacted, but this is how we're going to choose to respond this time around. The sign of a, a sign or an indication of a healthy marriage or a thriving marriage or a great marriage is not that you have it all together. It's that when you, when the rubber meets the road, when things get hard, you can work through it and there's fruit at the end of it and you can bounce back from it in a healthy way. You've got the tools there that have equipped you now to be able to tackle those things and bounce back from them and reap fruit from that situation versus negativity or dissension or discord. Yeah. You just dropped the mic. That was good. And so, you know, even uh, so, so we do that. It's like I look at athletes like LeBron James. I think he invests like one to two million outside of um, his coaching on, on the Lakers to his body, to his health, chef, uh, physical therapist, personal trainer. Why? He, he has a whole team to meet every aspect or every need of his life and his health so that he can be the player that he is. How come sec- we, how come we praise secular non-Christian or non-faith-based community people for doing things like that and being great athletes. Hmm. But when it comes to the church, God forbid that we get help. Yeah. God forbid that we have a strong team around us. Yeah. God forbid that we are going to therapy. God forbid that we're going to our pastors. God forbid that we have some people in our lives that are going to help condition us to be the better person That's that God good. has called us to be. Yeah. And I think also strong marriages, healthy marriages, you have accountability. We suffer in isolation, but you heal in community. Yes. I just really believe, I really believe that there's some of you right now, there's some shame in your marriage. Hmm. There is a shame, a point of shame or tension in your marriage. And you're suffering in this isolation or in this quiet moment because you feel like you can't be real or you can't be honest because people will judge you. And if you're going to live that way, that's not the way that God designed you right. or your marriage to live right. and operate and be. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't create you to suffer in your yes. marriage. He created you to thrive in your marriage. He didn't create you to yeah. survive your marriage. He created you to thrive in your marriage. And it is okay. It is okay if it is not okay. Yes. If it is not okay, I just want to say it's okay. There's a lot more people like you. It's okay yeah. to not be okay. But until we come to that, to that place in our lives and into our thought process, we're never going to pivot. We're never going to make a change. There shouldn't be no shame. Yeah. There should be no shame in those moments. And so, and I think another thing, and I know um, we'll close really quick, but you also got to keep the romance alive. 
You got to keep your, your, the romance fresh. You know, it's like, it's like John when he's writing the book um, Revelations and he's talking to the seven churches and he tells everybody the church of Ephesus. He goes, you've, you've forsaken your first love. Go back and do the things you did in the beginning. Sometimes in marriage, we can get in this autopilot mode. Yeah. Right. Where you're like two ships in the night or you just right. know you, you're, you're doing all these tasks, the kids, Busyness. the laundry, the work, the this, the that. Yeah. You forget about the romance. You forget about why you fell in love. You stop doing those things. I've been guilty of it yeah. as well. You stop doing those things you did in the beginning and you stop trying new things. Uh, I, I, I was thinking about this last night. We drove up last night and uh, Pastor Chris, I said, hey, Pastor Chris, we're getting in kind of late. Could you suggest a place to eat? And so he sent me uh, these restaurants. And so one was in Modesto. So we went to downtown Modesto and it was nice. It was packed. We get to this restaurant and it's super packed. Pastor Chris is sitting inside. He's waving at me like, you're not getting in. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, well, let's go to Lathrop and, and find some place to eat. And, and, and everywhere we went, it was either packed and there was a long wait. And finally, there's this taco shop. Yeah. And she's like, you want to get tacos? I'm like, yeah, my bank account says, yes, I want to get tacos. It's worked in Pastor Chris was sending me those Yelp with the five dollar with the five, uh, five dollar signs on there. I'm yeah. like, hey, I'm, I'm not balling on a budget. No, I'm just kidding. And we're eating tacos and we're sitting there and there's like, there's, there's, there's music playing. And, and we just sat there and we had this time of tacos. And I texted Pastor Chris. He's like, where, where'd you end up eating? I was like, oh, we just got this taco spot. He's like, oh, my, my bad. I was like, no, it was great. Yeah. Because it reminded me of when I was in Bible college and our Bible college was in the hood in a predominantly Mexican community and our date nights were tacos, y'all. Yes, so it was like this moment. So she thought so I was being afford. cheap. I was just following scripture, baby. I'm doing the things we did in the beginning <laughs> when we were broke. And these were an upgrade from And these the were Bible upgrade tacos. tacos. For sure. I'm in Bible college. She ordering $8 Starbucks drinks. I'm like, you need to stop. But yeah. so, so, so it's doing those kinds of things and then we're going to fly through these last yes, two. Yes, yes. Uh, healthy marriage does not compare itself to other marriages. I think that we now more than ever live in a time where comparison is a thief with social media and we see people's lives. We see a blip of their life on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever social media accounts you follow. Um, and it can easily, easily comparison can creep in and really start to steal the moment from our own lives and from what God is doing in our own marriages. And we miss the mark a lot of times in that because God could be doing something so great for us and so wonderful for our marriage. And it may not come in the packaging that we want it. It may come through some hard stuff first to get to the good stuff, but we miss that because we start fixing fixating ourselves on this person's marriage or that person's marriage. And, and we lose sight of what God is really wanting to do to cultivate a, a healthy marriage and of our own that has its own story to tell. You know, the Bible talks about how we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I believe that God in each and every marriage is cultivating a testimony in order for that word to go forth, for that, that testifying to go forth and then lead others unto him or lead other marriages to draw near to him. That's the whole, the whole point of this thing of doing and having a marriage that is Christ centered is so that we keep this ball moving forward. We keep testifying of what he's done for us, what he's delivered our relationship from, what he's delivered us individually from, what he's done and repaired and reconciled and restored in our relationship and in our marriage story so that someone else can say, wait a minute, 
I, I need to grab onto that for a second. Whatever he did for you, I want him to do in my marriage, yeah. right? But if we get so caught up in comparing our marriage to someone else, we miss this whole pool of people that maybe are just waiting for someone to say, hey, it's okay that you're not okay. We weren't either for a long time, but we got through it because of Jesus. And so comparison, just don't even entertain it, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And in closing, uh, number 10, marriage. Marriage, and this is, we did it the last because like foundation, like it was cool. Anyways, um, marriage must put God at the center. Yeah. We started with Ephesians and uh, I really just wanted to speak to just to the men as well in this. And um, obviously we know that this, sat, this last season was not easy. Churches shut down. Uh, right. The world stopped. Businesses closed. Businesses closed down. And I know that so many of us, including myself, were longing uh, to get back to some sense of normalcy. Yeah. Uh, that things would open back up again. And I'm, I'm the type of individual that I like to look at things through several different lenses, through several, several different perspectives. When we're looking at a challenging situation, I see, I see the difficulty, I see the challenge, but, but I want to look at it from a different perspective and see, well, what can I learn in this challenge? Or, or better yet, I, I asked God after being upset with God, I said, God, what in this season do you want me to see? Hmm. And many of us were wanting the church to open and, and we're, we're very passionate about that, and, and rightfully so. Uh, but what I asked God, well, God, if it's not going to happen, what are you doing in this season? Well, he said to me personally, I was thinking, maybe I'm calling you to actually be the priest of your home in this season, mm-hmm. to be the one that shepherds your children and your wife in this season. Mm-hmm. This is the opportunity for you to live out the word and where I've called you to be the priest of your home. Yeah. And I think it's so important that we recognize that we are the example for our spouses, we're the example for our children. But I think if we're going to have a healthy marriage, if we're going to make it through some of the, I think we're going to see even more challenging times. Christ has to be at the center of all that we do and everything that we say and how we live and how we operate and at the center of our marriage. Yeah. Amen? Amen. So, uh, amen, amen, amen. That was our 10 things. Do you guys mind if we pray for you guys before we do our song and dance bit? Wow. I, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. Anyways. Father, I just thank you for um, all the couples that are in this room, Lord, and uh, I thank you for their lives. I thank you that they chose Saturday evening. They could have been anywhere else, but they made the decision to be here in this room and yeah. in this space to, to be breaking bread with one another, Lord, to, to, to worship together thank collectively you, in community and, and to, be, to, to hear a talk on marriages, Lord. Thank Father, you, you know where every couple is on their marriage journey. And I just pray that wherever anyone is, God, that you would continue to speak to their hearts. Father, I pray that you would continue to strengthen marriages like never before. God, I pray for any marriages in this room that might be uh, uh, faced with challenge or, or difficulty or, or something that is, is creating a tension or a wedge. Father, I pray that you would bring healing where yes. there needs to bring healing. I pray that you would bring vulnerability where there needs to be vulnerability. I feel maybe there's some people in here, they've lost trust in their spouse. And I pray that the Lord, that you would um, open their eyes and the ears of their hearts, Lord, to hear that you're calling them to trust again, even though how hard it is to be vulnerable and put themselves out again for that. 
that. Father, I just pray blessings over marriages. I pray stronger marriages would continue to arise from this church. I pray that you would use couples who are more seasoned, who are better veterans within marriage, that you would use them to disciple other couples and younger couples, Lord, and newer couples at this church. I pray that when people think about this church, that they would talk about the healthy marriages that are coming out of this space, Lord Jesus. So, Father, I pray that your blessing would be upon each of these couples, Lord, and God, that you would continue to take each marriage from glory to glory, that we would continue to reflect you more and more as the days and the weeks and the years go by in our marriage. So, Lord, we thank you. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.